Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So we have gone back to another time in this Advent journey through prayer when there was a mother who found out that she was going to have a child. And she started out in a slightly different place. Hannah wanted desperately to be a mother. She wanted a child. In her social context, this was her purpose. For the Jews had received the word from the Israelites that said that they should be fruitful and multiply in the book of Genesis. And so she knew that this is what she should do. And yet she was barren. She could not give her husband a child. She could not give her husband an heir. And for this, she mourned deeply. She felt very broken. Her body had failed her. And so she went to a holy place, and there she went to pray. And our story begins with her praying so fervently, so earnestly, so vulnerably, that I want you to picture her ugly crying. She is crying to the point, picture dry heaves, snot. I really want you to picture this, because she is so over-the-top upset that Eli, the priest, sees her and assumes she is drunk. If you actually go back and read the story just a chapter before, you find out that he chastises her and assumes that she's been hitting the wine. This is a common theme in Scripture. On Pentecost, everybody assumes that the apostles, who are now full of the Holy Spirit and its power, have to be drunk. Right? There's a theme here that you can be so into your religion that people find it irrational. They think that there has to be some kind of catalyst for this. And for some reason, they always default to intoxication. But in Hannah's case, she's so upset. And in a moment of true vulnerability before God, she lets it all out. And Eli sees it and doesn't understand and misjudges her. And she says, you have to forgive me. Her words are, in my great anxiety, I am here. I want a child so desperately. And Eli realizes he's made a mistake, and so he says that he will join her in praying for this, that she will be fruitful, that she will be able to do exactly what she was supposed to do by their cultural standards. And Hannah makes a vow that should she have this child, that she will turn this child over to God, her firstborn, and that he will serve in the priesthood or serve the priesthood. And as she ends up having this child for whom the book of Samuel is named, she does just this. When he's of the age to leave her, she turns him over to Eli, the very same priest that caught her in her moment of complete vulnerability. And Samuel will be raised by the priesthood and will become one of the great prophets of the people of Israel. And what we heard just a moment ago was Hannah's prayer in response. And you might be shocked to find that she doesn't spend a lot of time saying, thank you, God, for my child, or thank you, God, for hearing my plea. But instead, she does something that the prophet Isaiah commands us to do, which is to be still and know. Be still and know that God is God. Take a moment and pause and just recognize who God is. And all of her prayer is this. You are the God who has done these things. You are the God that knows God's people. You are the God that equalizes, 
that allows those that are too high to learn some humility and those that have been torn down and kicked aside and crushed to be raised up. This is who you are, God. And in this she revels. And it's important for us to do the same thing. I think sometimes Christians in the midst of our prayer life can go from prayers of petition, God, here's what I need or here's what I think I want, but thy will be done into the other extreme, which comes after Hannah's prayer, which is prayers of thanksgiving. Yes, God, thank you so much for hearing me. Thank you so much for giving me what I needed. And thank you so much for occasionally indulging me and giving me what I want. We move quite quickly to that. And there's a moment to pause. And in our Advent journey and our spiritual maturity, it's appropriate for us to say, you know what? There comes a time in Advent where we just need to stop and recognize who this God is. Before we can give thanks, we have to realize to whom we are giving thanks. It moves us out of a here's what I need or what I think I want perspective and relying on God for that. And it makes us break before we get to the, God, I love you because here's what you've done and here's these wonderful things that I have. and I'm so grateful for this. And it makes us focus <coughs> on who is God. It makes us look at our theology, what we believe about our God. Is our God a liberator God? Is our God a God of abounding love? Is our God mostly about grace? How are we understanding our God? And, you know, there are times in our lives where we reflect on this. You know, growing up, my mom had the most bizarre, uncomfortable habit of staring at me. Do you ever have a parent that does this? Or maybe it's not even a parent. And they'd stare at you, and you'd catch them staring at you, and you would be like, what? You'd be like, nothing. Okay. And then they'd stare some more, and you'd be like, what? What are you doing? Why are you staring at me? Do I have something on my foot? And my mom would go, I just love you. I just love you. And you're like, well, that's great, and it's creepy. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, because you're a kid, and you're like, why is she staring at me? And she would just go, no, I just want you to know how much I love you. You are my daughter, and I love you. And you'd be like, that's great, Mom. Blink. Right? It's, really, it's really weird. And then looking back, I realized that those were really important moments where it wasn't like, I love you because you always keep your room clean, or I love you because you're not you know, the, the feisty child that your sister is. I threw that in. She never said that. Um, but you know, those kinds of moments where they're praising you for something you've done. right? In those moments, my mother was praising me for who I am. I am hers. I am a person. I am this person that she loves, and she's praising me for that. And then, you know, you grow up, and, 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 and if you have another child, you know, or if you have a child, then sometimes you find yourself doing the same thing. And so this past week, I found myself in the kitchen. There's a galley and a, and a, uh, a breakfast bar in the parsonage, and my son was sitting at the breakfast bar, and he was on his laptop, and I was on the other side just staring at him. <laughs> he looked up from the laptop, and he's like, what? just looking at you. Okay. And he went back and then finally he goes, mom, what? <laughs> and I was like, I just, you know, I'm just looking at you and I just, I love you so much. And he's like, this is really weird. And now I'm having deja vu, right? Cause I was sitting there at one point, not in front of a laptop, but I was sitting there going, mom, what? And it's one of those times where I just said to him, you know, I just want you to know that I love you. I mean, I could tell him all the wonderful things that he does that makes my life easier, that makes it possible for me to be a pastor, but I said, I'll just love you. You know, I look at you and I love you. You are mine, and I'm amazed at that, that you came forth from me, and I think that we are getting to the point where, you know, you're entering into that incredibly mischievous and special time of our lives called preteen, 
and I'm amazed at how our relationship has grown and you know, I, and when you turn 18 in eight years, you could very well choose to just move out of the house and never have anything to do with me. But I think that our relationship is, is becoming one so that we will be in relationship with each other even after you're no longer my little boy, but you're my grown son. I think that there's going to be something wonderful there, and that's very exciting to me and edifying. And I'm just encouraged because one of the things that your teachers always say when I have a parent-teacher conference is they always make sure that they talk about your compassionate heart. That you're a good person. And I'm just proud to be your mom. I'm just really proud of you. And he goes, well, mom, I'm going to live with you forever. <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation we had. <laughs> but there is that moment where, you know, he, and he was like, okay, now that we've had this, can, can, can you stop staring at me? Or I'm going to go to my room. And I was like, okay, I'll stop staring at you. you know, and then you have to like sneak stares like, oh. But what I happened to realize is, one, I'm growing into my mother. And two, even though in that moment he thought that was really creepy and bizarre and weird, it's appropriate. Because one day, like I did, he's going to look back and he's going to realize that whether I recognized it at the time or not, my mother was telling me that she loved me just for who I was. And that no matter what I was going to do in the future, and I was going to break her heart, and I was going to do things that were hurtful and sinful, no matter what came, in that moment I could look back and go, my mother loves me. Not about for what I've done for her or what I'm going to do for her, but for who I am. And it's appropriate for us as Christians to take a stop and say, you know what, God, I love you. I love you for who you are, not what you do. I love what you do. But in a moment, I just want to tell you that I love you for who you are. And so that's why you have inside your bulletin, you have this sheet that talks about how to do prayers of adoration, how to just tell God that you love God. And sometimes it can be as simple as, you know, I love this story. You know, I, there's, there's this great story, and I just love God in this story. There are some, some of the best stories. Just make you appreciate our God. And you just go, wow, God is amazing. I mean, we talk about in our carols this morning about how God had been so thoughtful. This is a thoughtful God who encouraged all kinds of people to have an encounter with Jesus Christ on Christmas. People that weren't even Jewish, people that weren't Israelites, people that were invited because of the star that God guided them with to come and see the babe of Bethlehem. And God did this same thing in the book of Exodus. This is the God that went before the people in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This is a guiding God. This is who we know and love. This is the God that knows and loves us. And what an amazing thing that is. It's appropriate in prayers of adoration to just be in awe of our God. That a God that is so vast and unknowable, chooses to know us. And not just know us by name or by our affiliation in the body of Christ, but know our voice. You know, one of the things that still I marvel at as a parent now is that I can pick out my kid's voice from a whole cacophony. I know my kid, and I can pick out his voice. He has, not, he has an easy time picking out my voice, but I can pick him out in a crowd. And I can see him in a crowd and a whole bunch of kids misbehaving. That's my kid. I find him real quick. Right? So you, can, you are known that way by God. God sees all of us. No matter how old we are, we are God's child. God knows us and sees us and appreciates and loves us as individuals. Can pick you out. When we sit here and we sing carols, God knows your voice. God knows your voice whether you're singing out loud or not. God knows you. 
And God chooses to revel in that love for you. That's what the coming of Christ was. If God didn't want to revel in love for us, then God certainly wouldn't have humbled God's self as a baby born in a stable. Instead, God recognizes that each and every one of us is so precious that God would come and suffer and die for us. And so as we continue this journey in Advent, I hope and pray that we take some time just to appreciate that, that everything that we do, we kind of stop and go, all of this is because God loves us. I serve a God of love. I serve a God that is forgiving, a God that is gracious, and a God that chooses an incredible future for me, rather than constantly looking at how to punish me for what I have done wrong. And if we do that, then Christmas is truly transformed for us because we realize that what we're celebrating on Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And that changes everything. Because at the end of our Christmas celebration, are we going to look back and recognize that we've done a lot of things, we've done a lot of mission and ministry, that we've certainly had, hopefully, some good times with our family and our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ? But are we also going to add to that? Is the star on the top of our Christmas celebration really going to be that we spent some quality time with our God and lifted up some prayers of adoration for the one who adores us so much that he came on Christmas Day? May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.